This morning, we're continuing in our uh, study on the book of Judges. And we're going to be talking about Samson's birth uh, this morning. We're going to be focusing on that. And the reason I want to start in Numbers chapter 6 is because uh, of this very important note about what the Nazarite vow was all about. So if you will, just start with me in Numbers chapter 6. Again, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, When a man or woman makes a special vow, the vow of the Nazarite, to dedicate himself to the Lord. If you ever wanted to know what Nazarite meant, that's what that meant. To dedicate yourself to the Lord. To consecrate yourself to the Lord. He shall abstain from wine and strong drink. He shall drink no vinegar, whether made from wine or strong drink. Nor shall he drink any grape juice, nor eat fresh or dried grapes. All the days of his separation, or his dedication, his consecration... He shall not eat anything that is produced by the grape from the seeds even to the skin. All the days of his vow of separation, no razor shall pass over his head. He shall, only, he shall be wholly separated, uh, dedicated, set apart, until the days are fulfilled for which he separated himself to the Lord. He shall let the locks of his hair, of his head, grow long. All the days of his separation to the Lord, he shall not go near to a dead person. He shall not make himself unclean for his father or for his mother, for his brother or for his sister when they die because his separation to God is on his head. All the days of his separation, he is holy to the Lord. But if a man dies very suddenly beside him and he defiles his dedicated head of hair, then he shall slave his head on the day, shave his head on the day when he becomes clean. He shall slave it on the seventh day. And it's going to continue on. But the whole idea of the Nazarite vow was that they were to abstain from wine and things of the grape, strong drink. They were to not shave their head, right? And they were to make sure they weren't around any dead corpses. That was the idea of the Nazarite vow. And somebody in the time of the Israelites could have taken on that Nazarite vow and said, I want to dedicate myself to the Lord. I'm going to do these following things, right? They could choose to do that. Now, if you will, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Judges chapter 13. That's where we're going to be for the remainder of today. Uh, again, we're in this book of Judges, and I hope from last week you saw the shift of how these people have gone from maybe the very beginning of Judges, you saw the good. There was some good stuff going on. Right. Last week, we probably saw the bad or, or maybe even a little bit worse. Now we're going to start getting into the really ugly. Right. And really, Samson, he's our last deliverer, our last judge. And he's going to probably take us into the really ugly section of judges, uh, because once you get past Samson, it just gets really, really bad. OK. And so we've seen throughout and maybe you saw in Jephthah in his time where the people of Israel had had let themselves get so intertwined with other religions and other cultures that uh, they couldn't even know what was right to offer to God or what to sacrifice to God and what was pleasing to God. And so uh, we're going to see the people of Israel getting worse and worse as we go. Notice chapter 13, verse 1, right? And here's the title of the lesson, From Barren to Bearer, right? You probably could guess why. Uh, chapter 13, verse 1, and the people of Israel, again, if you could all caps that again, that would be great, because they keep doing this. Here's that cycle that we talked about at the beginning of this series. 
And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord gave them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. All right, so Israel does evil. Whatever that evil was, we're not exactly sure, right? They did evil. They went away from God. And so God hands them over to the Philistines. There's our oppressor, right? The Philistine people are our oppressors. There was a certain man of Zorah of the tribe of the Danites whose, me, whose name was Manoah, which means resting place, uh, if you just wanted that side note. And his wife was barren and had no children. So in, in verse 1, we see the, the cycle is continuing. In verses 2 through 7, we find this prophecy of this child brought to this man named Manoah and his wife. Now notice a very important note there. She was barren. She had no children, right? Not sure how long they tried to have children, uh, but we know that she was unable to have children and she was barren. The angel of the Lord, verse 3, appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and have not born children. Thank you for telling me that. I already knew that. But you shall conceive and bear a son. Therefore, be careful and drink no wine or strong drink, or eat nothing unclean, for behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite. Now again, remember what that word Nazarite means, right? What this angel of the Lord is telling Manoah's wife is that your child is going to be dedicated to God, will be consecrated for God. Now, we know because we're reading the book of Judges, what was he going to be dedicated for? For the taking on the Philistines, right? We've already read about Samson. We've learned about Samson. We know what he does. He defeats this, the Philistines for us, right? But now we're seeing the whole before story, before he became the big strong man with the long hair, right, who made some very bad decisions. But now we're seeing what happened before. He was dedicated to God, and ultimately we're going to know he was dedicated for that particular work of being a judge. Notice, right after the angel of the Lord said it, he shall begin to save, to deliver Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Right? So now the, the wife goes to Manoah and says, hey, look, this is what the angel of the Lord told me. Look, he gave me this prophecy about this son. Now imagine... Uh, what this woman would probably be thinking if this angel of the Lord comes to her and says, you're about to bear a son, and she's thinking to herself, listen, I, you know, we have Sarah and Abraham, and she starts laughing, right, when she's thinking that I'm going to be bearing a son at this age. And, and you have to think about Manoah's wife and what she was thinking. How many years did her and Manoah try to have a child? Now all of a sudden this angel of the Lord shows up and says, hey, you're going to have a child. And she's probably thinking, yeah, right. Right, But notice her faith in this. Right, I don't want that to go unseen. And note, we're going to notice Manoah's faith as well because she goes to Manoah and says, Hey, an angel of the Lord came to me and prophesied that I'm going to have a child, that I'm going to bear a son, and this is what he's going to do. And so if you notice in verses 8 through 14, right, uh, Manoah says, Well, let's pray to God and, and see if he'll send that angel of the Lord back so I can hear from the angel of the Lord, what he told you, right? And so in verses 8 through 14, notice Manoah prays in verse 8. And I want you to note this. Notice at the very end of that prayer, uh, he says, O Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent come again to us and teach us what we are to do with the child 
who will be born. I want you to notice what was important. You may not look into that very much, but notice there wasn't a, a questioning mindset there. Who may be born, who might be born, it's who will be born. I, I want to know uh, who this man of God was. You could also do a side note there and, and say, this angel of the Lord, what did he appear as? A man, right? Um, notice how confident he was. Who will be born, right? And so God listened to his voice. The angel of the Lord came back to Manoah's wife while she was in the field. And so she runs off, gets her husband. He comes back, and the angel of the Lord says the same thing, right? This is what you're going, your wife is going to conceive and bear a son, and this is what he is to be and what he is to do. Now, I want you to notice with me verse uh, 11. Are you the man who spoke to this woman? He said, I am. And Manoah said, now, when your words come true, okay, that's very important. What is to be the child's manner of life and what is his mission? And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. She may not eat of anything that comes from the vine, neither let her drink wine or strong drink or eat any unclean thing. All that I've commanded, let her observe. So he re-explains the Nazarite vow to uh, Manoah and, and let's know that this son will be dedicated, right? Then we have the attempted hospitality, kind of an interesting section of text here. Manoah says, hey, come and we'll provide you a meal. And this uh, angel of the Lord um, tries to prepare a meal or Manoah tries to prepare a meal for him, and the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, if you detain me, I will not eat of your food, but if you prepare a burnt offering, then offer it to the Lord. For Manoah did not know that he was the angel of the Lord. And Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, what is your name, so that when your words come true, connect that back to this idea of when your words come true, back in verse 12, we may honor you. And the angel of the Lord said to him, why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? Now, this is close to the idea in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, about the virgin birth, uh, that there would be a child-born uh, prophecy, and his name would be wonderful. Very close uh, words. Now, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, so I'm not going to make that as close of a point as it needs to be. But could this be Christ before he was Christ, right? A lot of times, a lot of commentators will say this was uh, the Christ before he became that person. It became um, the Christ in the New Testament. So he, this could have been him carrying out some of God's will for him. Um, and that's why he uses this idea of wonderful. The idea of that word is really, it's extraordinary, extraordinary, or incomprehensible without understanding or unable to understand. So instead of offering this meal, he offers a sacrifice to the Lord, and then the angel of the Lord goes up with that sacrifice to God. Now, if you go to the very end of this, you'll notice that a child is born. And how wonderful is that? We see this prophecy come true, Right? The angel of the Lord appeared no more to Manoah and his wife. Then Manoah knew that he was the angel of the Lord. Well, why did he now know? Because he saw him go up and now he's known that this is. He knew for himself. And Manoah said to his wife, We shall surely die, for we have seen God. But his wife said to him, 
If the Lord was, had meant to kill us, he would not have accepted a burnt offering and a grain offering at our hands or shown us all these things or announced, us, or announced to us such things as these. And the woman bore a son and called his name Samson. Now what you notice in those last few verses is that wives are smarter than husbands, right? Because you notice Manoah, now I had to put a side note in there because I know that was a lot of information right there. And I could see a lot of us getting a little bit like, Manoah was like, oh no, we're going to die. And she was like, why in the world would he tell us that we're going to bear a son just to kill us right after this, right? Um, And what happens? They bear a son and his name is Samson, right? We have Samson's birth and he grows up, right? Uh, We know that he is under this Nazarite vow. He is to grow his hair long, never to cut his hair. He's never to be around uh, the drunkenness and be around the things of the grapevine. And he's never uh, to be around these dead corpses and things along those lines. He is to dedicate himself to the Lord. And his parents were playing a big role in that, right? And so I want us to learn some lessons. And this is where we're going to spend the rest of our time this morning. And I hope you've noticed these throughout this chapter. And I'll make note of them as we go through. Number one, trusting God's word. Well, why do you say that, Matt? Notice how sure Manoah was when the angel of the Lord said that there would be a child that is born to him. His wife was barren. Again, no idea how long they had tried to have a child, but they never had a child. And all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord comes by and says, hey, you're going to conceive and bear a son. He never said, uh, if it happens, it might happen. He was always sure that it would. Three times we see when he says two specific times, when your words come true. Notice again in verse 12, when your words come true. And if you go back to that idea uh, in verse 8 in his prayer, there was never a doubt. He says, who will be born? He was sure it was going to happen. He trusted in what God told him right? He was very confident. Oftentimes, we, have, we see this. If you carry paper money, you still get to see this. This was the country's motto. It should still be, right? In God, we trust. Do we really, right? I, I, maybe for the country, I could say, do we really? But I want to ask you, do you trust God at his word, right? And all the prophecies that we see and all the prophecies that God has fulfilled Do we still trust him to fulfill that final prophecy of bringing Jesus again and having a new heaven and a new earth? Do we understand, do we really trust him when he says that, right? We were talking this morning in our young people's Bible class upstairs, right, in Matthew chapter 6, where we were talking about worry, right, and do not worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to put on, right? Sometimes we think to ourselves, and maybe this is just me and not you, is God really just going to take care of all those things, right? If I truly seek God and his kingdom and his righteousness, it says in Matthew six thirty three that all these things will be added to me. He'll take care of the clothes that I'm going to wear. He's going to take care of the food that I'm going to eat, right? And we don't need to worry about those things, but how many times do we worry in our lives? What does that say about our trust for God? Do we truly trust him if we can constantly worry about the little things in life? Because God said, I'll take care of all that. And so we need to make sure we put our trust. Uh, There was always a 
when we were in school, there was a family that uh, my family grew really close to. Uh, Corey Sawyers and his family, he's a minister up in uh, Martin, Tennessee. He had a young son, he's not so young anymore, who would lead prayers when we would have Taco Fridays and all the, all the students would be coming over to their house. And his young son would lead prayers. There was never doubt in any of his prayers. God, if you will, please do this. He always uh, said his prayers with it already happening in mind. Like he would always say his prayers like, God, thank you for doing this. That thing hadn't happened yet, but he was sure it was going to happen. Because he trusted God and he knew that God would take care of those things. And that was such a great lesson to learn from such a, a young man. And maybe we should start saying our prayers like this, where we're saying, uh, notice Manoah, the child who will be born. What if we were so sure in our prayers that we said our prayers that way, right? God, we know all this is going to happen. God, please thank you so much for taking care of this in my life. He hadn't taken care of it yet, but he's going to, and we know that, and we trust him for that. So notice how we should trust in God's word, lesson number one. Lesson number two, and this is maybe one of our bigger lessons out of this, dedicate your child to the Lord. What did the angel of the Lord tell Manoah and his wife to do? Dedicate your child to the Lord, right? How many of us are familiar with what are called baby dedications, right? There's a lot of uh, churches, uh, uh, religious groups that dedicate your, their children. They have dedication days where they bring in the babies, the young children, and they say, we're dedicating our children to God. We are going to make sure they stay separate apart and they live a life for God. Nothing inherently wrong with that, right? Uh, sometimes we would shy away from those things because of how they're used in other religious groups. But there's nothing wrong, right? If, if you're a parent in here, I hope that's your mission to dedicate your children to God, right? To consecrate them for the Lord, to raise them up in such a way to where they want to live a life devoted for God. Isn't that the same thing as dedicating your child to God, Right? We just don't have a, a big ceremony for it. Now, this is great to take a young child and dedicate them to the Lord. Are we still doing that when they're teenagers, though? What if we started doing dedications for our teenagers? Because maybe sometimes we quit after a little bit. Now, I'm still in the young parenting stage. I haven't gotten that, that far yet. But sometimes, what if we just kept dedicating our children to the Lord, right? Yes, we're going to dedicate them as they're a baby, but what happens when life gets a little bit busier and we stop missing services, we stop interacting with the church family? What are we starting to do with our young people, right, uh, the, the children in our lives? Don't we start to show them that, hey, little one, your parents aren't that dedicated, so you don't have to be either, Right? What are we doing to them? We're showing them that our lives aren't very dedicated, and so they don't have to be either. Well, we should never stop dedicating our children. We should always raise them up in the admonition of the Lord. We should always try to focus on keeping them focused on God. Right? If we make God, parents, our main focus, let me make sure we understand that. If we make God, parents, our main focus, what do you think our children will see? They'll see that, won't they? They'll see, wow, my mom and dad really love the Lord, and everything they talk about and everything they do, they're focused on God. And then it's not we're just walking around with the Bible all day. But what if we're having spiritual conversations? right? What if we come into contact with people and they see that 
boy, they, they sure do love to talk about God. Well, what if it's always, we're around somebody, hey, can we pray for you somehow? Or, or we're using terminology that would relate us to being Christians. What if our children see that? I truly believe that our children, if they see the parents focused on the Lord, they will want to be focused on the Lord. Now, I could be totally wrong, and you can tell me after if I am, but in my heart, I believe that. If they see us so dedicated to God, they'll dedicate themselves to God too. And we see Manoah and his wife, and they had this, this Nazarite vow, this dedication of Samson to the Lord for him to be the deliverer, the savior of the Israelite people against the Philistines. How are we doing about helping our ch children be dedicated to the Lord? Lesson number three, show reverence to the Lord. Notice how after the angel of the Lord came to Manoah and his wife that second time, he wanted to offer them a meal, right? Show hospitality was a great mindset to have. But then he said, no, 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 you can't do that. Offer up a burnt offering, and he does, right? Shows reverence to this, to this angel of the Lord. He knew where he came from. He knew the God he served. And so because of that, they showed reverence. How are we doing that? How are we at doing that in our lives? Are we people who are going to show reverence to God in our worship, in our lives, in everything that we do? Do we respect Him? Do we respect His Word? Do we respect the God that He is? We need to show reverence to the Lord. And our last um, lesson that we can learn is, I hope that you see this throughout this text, is isn't God amazing? Right? He took a barren woman who had been unable to conceive a child and said, I'm going to let you conceive a child and bear a son. And I don't know what that feels like because I'm not a woman. I hope you can tell that. Um, but I don't know what that's like, right? To be pregnant, to be able to conceive a child, to bear a child. But you've got to be thinking, and Manoah's wife, in her mind, was like, thank you, Lord. This is wonderful. I'm so thankful to be able to do this. But we have a God that is able to do that, right? And he took a barren woman in Judges 13, and, and they had Samson who delivered, um, who became the deliverer of Israel. And you think about how he took Mary in the New Testament, and he took this virgin woman and gave her a child, and that became the, ulti the ultimate deliverer of God's people. It's just amazing how God uses men and women in the Bible. And some may say that women have maybe a, a big role in bearing the children um, that would be deliverers, like we see Samson and like we see Jesus. We have an amazing God. And I hope you see that in Judges 13 and how he took this barren woman and, and helped her conceive a child and have a son that would deliver God's people. And we have a God that is powerful like that. We have a God that is amazing like that. And I hope we can show him that due respect uh, of how amazing he is and that he listens to prayers and he hears us. Like even if you just think about it, he hears me. He hears you. You're as minute, as little, as small as you think you are in this world, which we are, right? He hears your prayers. And to me, that's amazing in itself. And I hope that we understand that when we do go to God in, to God in prayer and we pray things to him.
right? We have an amazing God, and he has sent the ultimate deliverer, Jesus, to deliver all of his people. Uh, the only thing is, is that we have to accept that deliverance. We have to uh, obey Jesus. We have to be in Christ, as we talked a lot about Wednesday night in our Bible class. And, and again, I want to extend the invitation for anybody here this morning. If you haven't found yourself to be in Christ, or maybe uh, throughout uh, studying, or you've come to that point of realization that you want to become in Christ, we find that in the New Testament, Jesus specifically says in Mark 16, 15, and 16, he that believes and is baptized will be saved, right? Uh, a lot of times in our religious world today is we stop at belief and we expect salvation, right? But Jesus himself, the ultimate deliverer, I would hope we would all agree, says that those who believe and are baptized will be saved. If you've never been baptized, you, you haven't fully gotten into Christ. You haven't had your sins washed away so that you could present yourself clean to God. If you haven't done that, this could be a morning that you make that happen. We have a baptistry behind us where you can bury yourselves in that water and have your sins washed away. Or maybe you're on the fence. You don't really know. You're not fully sold on things that uh, maybe you've heard me teach or me preach and you'd like to study more. I'd love to make myself available to you. I would love to study with you. I would love to go through scriptures that you question or maybe questions that you have. I'd love to study those with you. Or maybe you're here this morning and you'd like to have prayers uh, from this congregation. You find yourself struggling uh, in this life and you would love some encouragement, some prayers uh, from us. We would love to do that. I just ask that you please come while we stand and sing the song of invitation. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have 